whatever you did last time it sounded great yeah it did That's sound my, really good my favorite sound like so far thanks i agree so you keep that steady that would be great <laughs> i know i remembered something that i had forgotten to adjust mm-hmm. um so i was like okay we gotta use that one again Hi guys. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Sometimes Spot Slaps. I'm Mac. I'm Dubes. And today is book club 11. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think mark. so. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about the um, Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve by Stanley Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, we announced it on our Instagram as per usual. This one's a lot about nerves and stuff. So I, it's fun. Yeah. But it- his writing was kind of confusing at times. The premise of the book, very, very good. I really enjoyed what he was trying to do with it. Yeah. And so I guess just touch on who the heck this dude is. Mm -hmm. He is an American-born author and body therapist. He is a rolfer since 1983. We'll touch on what the heck rolfing is. Oh, do you know what it is? It was just like, yeah, he describes it in here. Oh. Uh, He practices craniosacral um, therapy. Uh, He's been doing that since 1987. He studied biomechanical cranio sacral therapy for many years um he trained in craniosacral therapy um and he's taught it as well yeah currently lives in denmark teaches all the myofascial release systems and scar tissue and craniosacral therapy for yeah at a tally there it's like five times in a minute yeah it was like really cool Mm -hmm. um his whole like craniosacral therapy stuff because he um he says there's like three different kinds of craniosacral therapy, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And I guess I've only ever experienced, I think, the biomechanical craniosacral because when he was describing what it was, it sounded very similar to what my uh, massage therapist described what he was doing to me, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, connection to like osteopathy and manual osteopathy and stuff. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the same kind of in the same field of work if you're in, if you're familiar with any of those yeah mm-hmm. no very interesting yeah like um when he was describing because like the introduction of the book is basically him introducing himself how he's qualified to talk on this what he is going to talk about mm-hmm. um without explaining it fully mm-hmm. um because there's the rest of the book um but the only thing i was confused about was role thing when he explained what it was i didn't get a good enough picture like all i got was that it was um named after this girl who had started it mm-hmm. um but that w- i i didn't feel like he did a good enough job explaining what it was but maybe i missed a section or something so it works with the fascia okay and it's basically the it's recognizing the portion importance of fascia in the rest of the body right okay. in the way to ha- helps how it helps with like with nerve function and muscle relaxation and whatnot right um that's what i've understood from it okay a lot of um yin yoga is so you can get into like the fascia stretches and stuff and relaxing as well so yin yoga principles are similar to rolfing principles but rolfing was specifically named after um the person who created it right so would it be like a form of like massage therapy or like reiki more I'd, i'd say it's more like massage therapy from what i can tell Okay. He talks about um, it's more like that. Yeah. My dog's chiropractor actually she does more of like the fascial release in, okay. instead of like an um for his my dog's chiropractor. How what a sentence there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that was very white. <laughs> no, but he he couldn't like he couldn't walk and he couldn't poop and so we were trying to like we're like okay well what do we do so mm-hmm. we found this this woman in town who did doggy chiropractic and stuff and what she did is she took this device that looked like a credit card basically yeah and massaged his like spinal region yeah especially lower spinal region in that area yeah rather than like you're not cracking a dog like you'd crack a human mm-hmm. and that helped him that release okay he um pooped all over the house within a few hours interesting it was great yeah <laughs> but we like sarcastic <laughs> no yeah. but like yeah as he was he couldn't 
walk. He couldn't move. He couldn't hold his legs up for him to go to the bathroom at all. Right. So we're like, we got to try her. Yeah. And so we tried her last year and it worked for him. And she focused on like the fascia release. Interesting. So. All right. Cool. But that's. uh, Yeah, it's basically worked with the fascia in yeah. regards to various uh, physical problems. Do you have a description of what the fascia is in case our listeners might not know? It's like your deep connective tissue. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. all the little stuff that you don't, you wouldn't normally get in just like a normal stretch. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. I guess I have an update. Ooh. Okay. I want to talk about. Okay. I clicked figure out this morning. Yeah. So, you know, my probiotics class that I did. Okay. Or whatnot. Like they had to order the scoby from. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kombucha worked. It's great. Nice. So now I need to do step two of the fermentation process, which is bottling it and adding, I don't know, any juice or any other kind of thing to it. Right. Um, and then, yeah, so I have the new scoby or the new, um, yeah. Cause every time you do it, you have your old scoby and then a new one forms and you can just keep mm-hmm. cycling out which scoby you want to put in your kombucha. It doesn't matter. Once you have one, you're good. Yeah. Um, so I, a, I need to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with this SCOBY if I'm going to hold on to it somehow and store it mm-hmm. and use it mm-hmm. when I want to make kombucha now, if I make this a regular practice. Yeah. And then B, I kind of want to make sure my kombucha works and tastes good. Yeah. So I got to do step two before I can even decide to make more kombucha. Yeah. Besides the fact. But it works. So I'm glad. Mm-hmm. My um, sauerkraut? No. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't check it enough. And it's uh, so my brine mm-hmm. like dried up i guess oh shoot or something and then i opened it up this morning and it was moldy and i was like ah. oh darn it yeah so i threw both those out because shoot. so i'd like to try sauerkraut again though eventually when i have the care to like monitor it every single day or have there's a special device that you can um get i think it's called like a crock okay but it's basically this like tube yeah with weights on top oh and then you should put like a cloth over it so like no dust or bugs or anything gets into it. Yeah. But the weights press it down so that it stays submerged in the brine so that it doesn't mold. Oh, okay. And then the tube is just because you need it like in a, an aerated open-ish space. Right. So. Interesting. So like, yeah, I guess what's the, what do you use to make sauerkraut? Literally just cabbage and okay. salt. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because hmm. then you, when you salt the cabbage, because the cabbage has all the good bacteria that you need for it to be lacto fermented. Okay. And then so when you mix well, it lacto-fermented. with lacto fermented, that's yeah. So that's the term. It started originally with yogurt. Okay. Stuff, but the probiotic process that was used then, yeah, is what's also used in the creation of kombucha and sauerkraut and all this stuff like that. Interesting. So they just grouped it under this lacto fermentation, even process. though there's no like. Mm-hmm. Dairy-ish. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Because but cool. but, it was originally founded with like yogurt and cheeses. Right. Okay. And so they've just, it's basically using probiotics to ferment foods into a different edible form. Yeah. Okay. That are more probiotic. Rich. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And so it's the same cultures that are found in yogurts and cheeses and I think buttermilk and just like all these different like. Cool. Things. Yeah. So the cabbage itself, when it's in the dirt, you get all these probiotics and stuff from the dirt. Mm-hmm. And so all you have to do is make sure it's not like nasty. That's like a clean cabbage or whatnot. Yeah. You don't need to like soap water scrub it or, it or anything because you want the bacteria. Oh, gross. Okay. But um, I meant to say neat. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't use that. I know. Don't even lie to me. I know you meant to say gross. It was like, I was thinking neat and gross in yeah. my head and I was hoping neat was going to come out <laughs> my mouth, but that's not what came out my mouth. No. <laughs> Okay, so that's how they really feel. Yeah. No, but what you want is like, the, it's this good bacteria. Right. Ultimately is what you're looking for, right? Yeah. And so what do you do to make it sanitary is you mix it with the salt. Okay. Because the salt is a natural, like, antibacterial agent. Right, okay. And whatnot. So you're making sure your cabbage is clean, making sure your hands are clean, but you don't need to, like, sanitize right, either Because you're soaking it in saline solution, basically. Yeah, yeah you're not yeah. trying to strip it of its, like, healthy bacteria properties, basically. Okay. A big thank you to Dyson as we are now working with them, which is so, so exciting for sometimes Jabata slaps. If you are not familiar with Dyson, they sell fancy vacuums, hair straighteners, and so much more. 
Right now, you can save $130 on select Dyson Corral hair straighteners. You can save $150 on the Dyson Purifier Cool Formaldehyde Fan. You can save another $150 on select Dyson cordless vacuums. You can save $100 on select Dyson Airwrap Complete Multi-Stylers. And there's $100 off the Dyson Cool Tower Fan. If you're looking to save some money on Dyson products, now is the time. Head on over to SometimesShabbataSlaps.com for more information and links to the Dyson website. And so, um, which again, I thought kind of gross too at the beginning with, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, okay, interesting. Well, yeah, that's so like, because mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want to scrub mm-hmm. the cabbage, but mm-hmm. with all of like the gross stuff on the produce that we have right mm-hmm. now, like, would it be better or worse or like, well, you do like a vinegar baking soda soak, but you yeah. shouldn't buy like a a specific vegetable wash because that often strips it of everything right okay well you want the vinegar you want to get the bad bacteria off of it obviously you're not yeah. trying to give yourself like a coli or something right yeah. and that's why you wash your hands to make sure there's nothing nasty on your hands mm-hmm. but the bacteria that is on your hands otherwise is good for it because that's right what's remaining there is the good bacteria okay yeah, yeah. okay that makes so sense. that's why i say don't like wear gloves or anything like that there's no need for that because you actually want the good bacteria as much as okay. possible because we're not adding anything additional to it for sauerkraut specifically okay with the kombucha you have the scoby which is um if i remember they're finicky symbiotic culture of yeast yeah or of bacteria and yeast that's what scoby stands for oh yeah symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast i thought it was an i at the end no oh so that's what's doing the fermentation process and sauerkraut, it's the natural bacteria that it's grown in the sauerkraut in the layers of it that is what's fermenting it wild yeah okay so so that's about you cut it okay. up you salt it yeah the salt draws the water out and then you mash it with your hands like manually mash it mm-hmm. until it's like soft and um i guess kind of slimy but not really okay just make sure that the the fibers are broken up and whatnot and now it's left in this like brine Okay, cool. Basically, and so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to pack it into the jars, and then you're supposed to press it down. And this is where these weights come in handy. Okay. Um, that I, I that's the step that I messed up on. I made sure it wasn't. I didn't press it enough. Okay. So it part of it lifted out of the brine, mm-hmm. and that's when it got moldy. Shoot. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. Interesting. Long story short, but really fascinating process to do. I will be doing it again, and you can like make kombucha or um sorry um kimchi. The same oh, way. Okay. Yeah. Kimchi is basically sauerkraut with um more spices. Yeah, more yeah. spices, more some add like carrots, some add okay. other sort of things into kimchi as well. Right. Or you can also make pickles in this same process. But that's not to be confused with pickling, which creates a sterile environment and is a whole different thing in this process. Wild. Yeah. But if you make pickles with the lacto fermentation method. You're getting the benefits of probiotics that you wouldn't in normal pickles. Weird. Okay. So it's actually better to, if, if you want more benefit of your pickles, mm-hmm. to make like a brine and make it that way and use that lacto-fermentation salt water method for your pickling. Is it going to taste different than I would imagine? I don't think so. I haven't done it. I haven't like, yeah. also, I mean, if you look on the jars, it might say with brine that could be lacto-fermented versus yeah. other pickling methods, which you involve like specific jarring techniques yeah which are found when someone say making hummus in a jar or jam or right plastic pickling yeah where you have to make it a very sterile environment because you don't you're using vinegar to pickle it yeah whereas the brine does that for you yeah because i feel like there's some pickles that are really good and some pickles that are really bad in my opinion like there's Mm -hmm. some that just kind of taste warm and gross yeah. So I don't I don't know if that's just like a difference in flavoring or if they've been prepared differently or if yeah. it's just like I'm out to lunch. It's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's something you're going to be looking at now, right? Yeah, definitely. But if, it's in, if it's in brine is usually like lacto fermented. OK, interesting. Because if it's in vinegar, then it's like the traditional kind of pickling method. Right. Hmm. Sauerkraut and kimchi and all that, that would be more of the brine method because it is the fermenting of it to get all the good probiotics and stuff in it. Cool. More than one way to make a pickle. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. So that's my knowledge, but I messed up my sauerkraut, but my kombucha. It is, worked. Uh, yeah. It's, it worked. It smells like kombucha now. 
Nice. Now it's just uh, jarring it up and finishing up. So I'm kind of excited to try it. Uh, me too. I'll just, well, <laughs> stay tuned. That'll probably happen. I don't know. Maybe sometime this week I'll do it. But yeah. I just moved it to my fridge so that it stopped or like slowed down on the right fermenting process now. Okay, yeah. Because, yeah, when my mom makes it, I don't think she would add anything to it. Mm-hmm. She At this stage, she would just drink it. Yeah. And you can. Mm-hmm. I might test it. Yeah. Or I might make it more mango passion fruity. Yeah. Like my original goal Interesting. was. That's so used, cool. Yeah. So you use like a green tea and then you use like a hibiscus mango passion fruit tea. Oh, okay. Cool. So now I want to mix it with like probably a little Ooh. bit of juice or something. And then. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Just for a little just more add of a the little bit of something. Fruit flavor. Maybe bring back some sweetness to it because I'm not a huge fan on particularly bitter kombuchas. Yeah. Is there a chlorophyll and mint kombucha? Uh, there's a chlorophyll and mint, like, you can just buy, like, chlorophyll. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking, I'm combining two different memories. Okay. <laughs> I was like, hmm. Yeah, okay, never mind. You can mix it with kombucha if you want, but chlorophyll and mint is just, like, chlorophyll. Right, yeah, because we like talked about that. And then Bryce had brought home, um, like, a mint and something else kombucha, mm-hmm. and it was so good. Okay. But I don't remember what this something else was. And so I was like, maybe it's chlorophyll. But I was like, that's from a different conversation. Yeah. I've been into Rise Kombucha recently. It's like a, a brand based out of Quebec. Oh, cool. I didn't know they were Canadian. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And they've been infiltrating all the store grocery stores in the Yeah, West I've seen now. them around. I just didn't know they were Canadian. Yeah. Okay. I tried their like peach and mango one. Mm-hmm. Delicious. So good. I don't know why they chose blue for the color of peach and mango. That's counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have like a turmeric and orange one or something. So that's probably why they chose orange for that. I guess so. But, but still, I would still do like a. A peach. Yeah. Like a pink or orange or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they chose this blue color. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't choose blue because then people are going to be like, oh, blueberry kombucha. Yeah. 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 Huh. But, so I tried that. It's really good. I also tried their lychee and jasmine, I think it was. Ooh. Very tasty. Very good. Yeah. I I've love had their, lychee. Yeah, yeah, it's really it tastes a lot like lychee. Oh yeah, jasmine's just like a very subtle floral flavor in it cool. as well. Um, my all time favorite is Clear Mind Kombucha by Brew Doctor, mm-hmm. and that one is a green tea base, and it has like sage, mint, rosemary. It's that just one very, is very good. Yeah, herbally easy to drink, like just a neutral, fresh flavor. Yeah, that's my favorite of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, uh. Oh, what's it called? It's like a doc, not brew doctor, but it's like a a doctor or something rather else. Oh, I don't know. There's a mango and passion fruit one that I tried when I was in the States. Oh, that one sounds yummy. And that's what I was trying to like go off of with my homemade. Mm-hmm. was kind of like what I had with that one. So we'll yeah, see if we I can. we can't get those ones in Canada, can we? We can get some in certain places. Like there's a, oh, okay. there's um oh, health aid. That's it. Right. Health aids, um, mango and passion fruit. Right. And so that was really good. I had that when I was in LA. But I also have had Health Aid in Canada, but I had like an apple one from them. Oh, okay. I haven't seen the mango and passion fruit one in Canada for that brand. Right. Okay. But, Sick. Yeah. Such fun. That's my kombucha and lacto That's fermentation so cool. spiel. Yeah. Follow along for Mac does kombucha. <laughs> It would save me a lot of money because I spend a lot of money on kombucha. I know. That'd be pretty sick. If I could just, now I have scobies, if I just start, I don't know, concocting like a basic green tea fermentation and then use juice to add the flavors to like make multiple flavors out of yeah. one batch of. That would be very cool. Kombucha. Mm-hmm. Kind of dope. Little yeah. side gig selling kombucha. I don't know if I'd want to side. Okay. okay. Here's the issue though. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, yeah, you could. But if you start to sell it with like actual customer clientele then you have to make sure all like the health and safety checks yeah. are in place and licenses and permits and all that fun stuff not really wanting to take that on right now mm-hmm. but if i can get really good at brewing it for like myself that'd be kind of cool and then my friends if they want bucha yeah nice but now that i have a scoby i might as well just you might as well yeah right because well you could sell your extra scobies online i guess because <laughs> it's like what do you do after every batch you just like have an extra scoby and you're like eventually you're gonna have more scobies than you're gonna know what to do with well, you can, eventually they get old so you can throw them out i guess so or you can add them to like compost or something like that because it's just a probiotic i guess a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast in my mind they're like a living organism because they look so much like a jellyfish yeah that in my mind they they, they are like 
an animal. Well, because they are a living organism. That's the thing, though. Yeah, just but in such a in such a cellular yes. way. Yeah, they're like technically. Yeah, I'm a living organism yeah. in the same way that I don't know, like yeast is a fungus or whatever, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So if you like, I'll I'll make you try it. If you like it, I can yeah. bring you some booch. I'll definitely you try it. Yeah. Try for yourself if you want. I am not going to do that because I am only <laughs> one person and I cannot drink enough kombucha <laughs> <laughs> that that scopey's going to make for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'd be fun. Like, I don't know if I, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get into a new hobby. Maybe kombucha is my new <laughs> hobby. Yeah. That'd be fun. Because I like it enough. Well, took, you might as well. Took me years to get into it. Mm-hmm. Like, keep in mind, it's something that's so acquired. Because I don't like strong vinegar tastes. I wasn't a fan of it. I could only drink, like, half of a bottle at a time. Mm-hmm. But at the time I started drinking it is when my health went to crap. And so I was like, I need more probiotics. So kombucha is a good thing for probiotics. So I just yeah. started into it. And it was the my favorite one that got me into kombucha in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I like the green tea based ones because they're not as like potent. Interesting. In my flavor. Like the, yeah. the flavors are a lot more mild. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like a green tea kombucha base. Yeah. Now. There's some black tea ones that I like now that are okay. Yeah. But my favorite ones are green teas because they're lighter in flavor. Okay. And I don't like, I think the black teas like give more of like a, like a, a punch, like more of a vinegar kind of flavor or even like a red wine. Oh, okay. It's the difference between like red and white wine to me. Okay, cool. Like red wine's just like richer and I'm not as big of a fan of the flavor. Mm-hmm. I have to be in the mood. Whereas white wine, I could drink pretty much whenever. Yeah. And not be like, okay, well, this is too much. Right. Interesting. Okay. But I don't drink wine normally to begin with. I don't know me either. I drink kombucha in a wine glass and I call it a Tuesday. <laughs> For every <laughs> single one of our photo shoots, we've had like kombucha in our like wine glasses or whatever our champagne flutes and someone made a comment about it who was that yeah i got a comment the other day being like wow you guys really like your alcohol and i'm like no fun fact it's it's never never been alcohol because neither of us are big alcohol drinkers yeah it's always kombucha yeah or like something (laughs) like sparkling or even yeah literally in the most recent one it was just like an iced tea mix Yeah, for a birthday photo shoot, like, I was like, do you want to put in, like, a bio-steel packet? <laughs> I was like, no. We made, like, watered-down iced tea so it wasn't, like, too dark in color. So yeah, that- literally. So it still looked yeah, nice, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, our intro shoot was literally, like, a, a berry kombucha. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, the purple one from Brew Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah and then we did i don't know if um any of our listeners have seen like our wildflower photo shoot yeah but we just had ginger ale yeah yeah because <laughs> <laughs> it gave the sparkles and the color of champagne and we were yeah. like oh might as well it's better yeah yeah ginger ale and then we did um yeah the watered down iced tea that's so funny but it's just fun to hold a prop like a cup when well, you're yeah, right when you're doing when you're doing photo shoots, it's just an easy thing to occupy your hands, right? So you're not just like playing with a little pee. You're just like, I have a drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we get some fun shoots. The only time I've ever did something like a shoot with actual alcohol was for my New Year's shoot that I did by oh, myself. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I actually made myself an Aperol spritz because I really wanted an Aperol spritz. Oh, yum. Mm-hmm. I've never had one, but I've heard lots about them recently, so I want to try one. They're not like super sweet. Okay. It's kind of like a bitter, tangy orange drink. Ooh, okay. It's sweeter than like champagne. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely it's not like a it's not like a cooler. Okay. So that makes sense. I don't know. Sounds good yeah. to me. It's it is good. It's mm. champagne. It's aperol. It's sparkling water. Yeah. And some I think do like some simple syrup in it or something like that. Okay. It depends on who makes it. Really. That makes sense. I tried bourbon the other day. Oh, how's that? It's just like drinking gasoline, but then you get an aftertaste of tree. I was like, this is foul. I don't mind like bourbon when like a mix. Like, so in LA, I had a, um, a really good latte that was a vanilla bourbon flavor. Okay. And I liked the bourbon in that because I found it complimented the vanilla and like enhanced the vanilla. Mm-hmm. I've never had bourbon just like raw dog in it oh god it was so nasty because one of my dad's <laughs> buddies from university was up and so he really likes bourbon so yeah. he's like 
Yeah, you put it in a glass, you put a whole bunch of ice in, you just let it sit so that it just gets chilled. And oh man, it's just top notch. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try it. Like, I'll have a sip. Yeah. I was like, that is not good. <laughs> the next day, he's like, just keep trying it. It'll grow on you. Oh my gosh. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of dark alcohols as a whole. I had tried scotch the other week too. I really want to try scotch just because I see so many people like on tv shows like that's the expensive rich drink is like pour themselves a thing of scotch but yeah i didn't like it yeah that's it, i mean also i have an aversion to whiskey and scotch and whiskey are too similar for me yeah so then you wouldn't like bourbon either because it's not. just it's the only difference between whiskey and bourbon is bourbon is whiskey that's been aged in an oak cask yeah but like and you can taste the cask like, mm. I have never been able to, like, pull notes of something out of the drink, but I was, <laughs> like, like I am your licking a piece it. of wood right now. Like, this is so woody in my mouth right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm looking for the legs of the... <laughs> Literally, I was, like, I, don't, I couldn't pick an oak tree out, but I know what it tastes like. <laughs> like it was so weird. But yeah, so that was my update as I tried bourbon. No fun. And it was just woody gasoline. Woody gasoline. <laughs> Beautiful. And yeah. on that note, we're going to talk about the Vegas nerve. Yeah. <laughs> I get <laughs> What an intro. Also an update for another book club. I think that's just going to become a regular thing now because yeah. we like chatting about ourselves. I know. We're, we're <laughs> rather self-involved. <laughs> Niner. Oh. I was just so eager to say that about um, my kombucha. So. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> My name is Michaela and my kombucha worked, but my sauerkraut didn't. Hi, Michaela. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that your kombucha worked and your sauerkraut didn't. Hi, my name is Michaela and I'm a kombucha addict. <laughs> Hi, my name is Journey and I tried bourbon for the first time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. We're good. So for back to back to our boy Stanley. Stanley. Uh basically the introduction of the book is just like what is the autonomic nervous system? What is um that he does? Like what is biomechanical craniosacral therapy? Yeah. Why are people always stressed? We already know people are always stressed because yeah. the world's not the best sometimes. Um and then he the key thing of chapter one or the introduction that you really gotta know to read the rest of the book mm-hmm. is knowing what the heck is the polyvagal theory. Mm-hmm. And so the polyvagal theory states that the five cranial nerves must function adequately in order to attain the desirable state of social engagement. Mm -hmm. And then so these five uh, nerves all originate in the brainstem and they include cranial nerves uh, five, seven, nine, ten and eleven. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit in a little bit here. Yeah. He also introduces the whole like um, polyvagal. So there's multivagus nerves. So Mm -hmm. um. There's two vagus nerves. They are uh, cranial nerve nine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or ten, sorry. Um, and they, um, there's a ventral and a dorsal. Mm-hmm. Ventral and a dorsal. Mm-hmm. And they, um, he thinks that they should be classified as two separate nerves because mm-hmm. they do two very separate things. And mm-hmm. up until recently, I believe, they didn't realize that they were two separate nerves yeah. because your vagus nerve is the longest nerve in your body. It goes from tip mm-hmm. to tail. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he just kind of talks about how we need to switch basically from dorsal vagal state to ventral vagal state mm-hmm. because our dorsal vagal state is um, evolutionarily a mm-hmm. very good uh, thing. Like we only really have it because of evolution and how we've evolved. It's your oldest vagus nerve, too. It's the first yeah. one. Yeah. The it's, ventral is the newer one. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then your ventral is more of like a. It's the social engagement is the term he uses for this one. That's the nerve that it's if it's mm-hmm. firing properly, you're going to be like excited about life and happy and socially engaged and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But a lot of us right now are in our dorsal um, mm-hmm. vagus state. Yeah. But and so the ventral vagus state is where he kind of comes into how this relates to um, anxiety, depression, ASD. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Um, I also really like the first place of the introduction. He has a quote that he said. It's <laughs> like, nice. Quoted himself. It's a yeah. power move. Yeah, literally. And then so part one, it very briefly touches on like overcoming health challenges. And the premise of this is to basically say we need to think of things as a whole and mm-hmm. not as its parts in order to treat symptoms. 
Yeah. Which I love, of course. It's a holism. It's my yeah. basic print philosophy. Yep. And he uses this by um, describing like using the mythology of the Hydra. Mm-hmm. Well, I just watched Captain America. And so when I think of Hydra, I can only think of Captain America now. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Because that's the whole premise of Captain America. That's who he's fighting. It's Hydra. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it's the whole, like, they weren't Nazis. They were, like, science evolutionary, but kind of Nazi-esque at the same time. And instead of, like, holding one arm up, they'd hold both arms up. And it was, like, (laughs) hail Hydra. And they, like... (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Look at Captain America. (laughs) I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I have no memory of that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And they used this sentence of, like... um, when we cut off one head, two will grow in its p- place. And it's basically like if you try to kill off its members, two more members are going to come in its place. Right. So it is trying to make the connection of like the multiple heads of the Hydra. Yeah. Yeah. And myth. so what he's using Hydra as is like you only treat one symptom, two more symptoms are going to come up in its place. Mm-hmm. But in Captain America, it was like a figuration for like a Nazi-esque science group That's that infiltrated so like the whole world and how there's like Hydras all around the world. <laughs> And so you see it in movie one and then now movie two, like it was like, oh my gosh, they've infiltrated shield. And so now the hydras are in shield. So you can't trust everyone who's working for this like secret, like security American company. Oh my gosh. I'm so <laughs> watching Captain America tonight. I have to clean my house and I'm just going to put it on and listen to it while I clean. That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah. So like for the, yeah, they always say hail Hydra or whatever. And they use both hands <laughs> instead of one. That's way funnier than it should be. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So I'm reading this and I'm like, ah, uh, yeah. here's my, here's my Marvel journey. And just now I'm thinking of Hydra as in like, that's amazing. German corporation that came up with during Hitler's era and Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> we need Captain Stanley Rosenberg is a Captain America of <laughs> Vegas nerve. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, the heads of the Hydra, basically he's just saying like, these are common problems related to cranial nerve dysfunction. Yeah. Um, not, there's like a whole not list. It's not Hitler. It's not Hitler. <laughs> um, there's a whole list, which I think we should post some of it. Like when we release the episode, do kind of like, because mm-hmm. Michaela's really good at doing info posts. She makes them look beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kind of do that. But they have like chronic physical tensions, emotional issues, heart and lung problems, visceral organ dysfunctions, immune system problems, behavioral problems, interpersonal relationship issues, mental issues, and then other problems. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of. These are common issues that we see with cranial nerve dysfunction. So like, yeah, if you're experiencing any of these, maybe this book mm-hmm. is for you. Yeah. And then he gets into like the 12 cranial nerves and what they are. Mm-hmm. And so these cranial nerves are numbered based on location. If you think of your brain as like a half circle around it. So one is at the top and it goes around like that, apparently. If you're an avid hiker like me, you are going to love Fire Maple. Their products are crafted to be the most reliable and high-performance gear possible, so you can explore the world with ease and energy. Their philosophy is that cooking outdoors should be just as straightforward as cooking indoors. That's why their camping cookware is thoughtfully crafted to ensure that you can always enjoy your meals, no matter where your adventure takes you. Right now, you can get 50% off select items in their autumn sale, $99 off shipping if you live in Canada, and $5 off when you sign up on their website. Head over to sometimesshabbataslaps.com where you can find links to their website so you can start your holiday shopping and maybe grab a couple things for you. Like, yeah. half circle cut around, here or half circle cut here? Around each side of your brain. Oh, so they just come down. Okay, so it's yeah. split. Yeah, in so the middle. one is hypothetically on top of your skull. Right. And then it goes down and around, basically towards like the brain stem and down to the body. Okay, interesting. Which is where it goes right and so the 12 um cranial nerves are uh first one is the olfactory nerve and so that is um smell it helps you mm-hmm. locate food mm-hmm. uh, the second is optic nerve this is for vision it makes it possible to see mm-hmm. um three and four are uh, oculomotor nerve and trochlear nerve and so these are for looking and they control your eyeball muscles which is like really cool he goes into how like this muscle moves your eye this way and mm-hmm. this muscle move or this nerve moves your eye this way and so that was really interesting. And in yoga, people are using exercising and stretching of those um, muscles now because we don't recognize them enough. That stretch would feel so good. And so they're actually getting you like when you breathe in and you look one way and you breathe out and you close your eyes and you breathe in and you look up and yeah. you kind of rotate it. And mm-hmm. so it's just moving your eyes 
in a, a mindful way rather than a normal way. Yeah, normal every day. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like that definitely also applies because he talks about a basic exercise, which we'll talk about later, which does involve eye movement. So I mm-hmm. feel like that kind of, even though there's five that he focuses on, he does kind of bring in mm-hmm. others. Um, so then five is the trigeminal nerve, and that's chewing and swallowing and hearing. Mm-hmm. That's your tensor tympani muscle. That one is so interesting. That was like a light bulb moment when I read about it mm-hmm. because he talks about how your uh, tensor tympani, I think that is the one in your ear where it um, like not factors out, but like if there's background noise and someone's talking to you, it helps mm-hmm. you focus on the person talking to you instead of the background noise. Yeah. And so he relates it back to um, people who are autistic and they can't it's not that they don't hear you because mm-hmm. they pass all of their hearing tests it's that that muscle isn't working properly because that nerve isn't being stimulated so like mm-hmm. um they can't differentiate between someone talking to them and the background noise that they're hearing that not everyone else is so that's where the whole sensory overload comes into play mm-hmm. in that scenario yeah that one was very cool yeah um and then six is the i think it's abdicans nerve and mm-hmm. so that is also looking and it controls some eyeballs Mm-hmm. Read the last six. Sure. Um, and so nerve number seven is the facial nerve. So it's like chewing, facial muscles, and salivary like secretions. And then uh hearing as well. Right. Uh is involved with this. Uh number eight is your acoustic nerve. And so it's hearing translates sound waves into nerve impulses. That one's cool too. Nine is your glossopharyngeal nerve, which is swallowing. Mm-hmm. Number 10 is the vagus nerve, as we talked earlier, which is um, separated into the new and the old vagus. And so the new is the ventral that um, controls the upper third of the esophagus and most of the pharyngeal muscles. And it regulates the heart and bronchi. And then the old, the dorsal vagus branch innervates the lower two thirds of the esophagus and it regulates stomach function, digestive glands, organs such as the liver and gallbladder and movement of food through the intestines except for the descending colon. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, nerve, uh, cranial nerve 11 is your spinal accessory nerve, and this innervates um, the trapezius and the sterian... Wow. Tenocleidomastoid. There it yeah, is. Yeah, I love that Muscles, one. Muscles, which turn the head and expand the visual field. And then... Those- are the only two muscles in your body that are innervated by cranial nerves instead of spinal nerves, is what he said in the book, which Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, cool. (laughs) And then number 12 is your hypoglossal nerve, which moves the tongue. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was what, five, six, seven. So the cranial nerves that are uh, um, important for social engagement is five, seven, nine, ten, and eleven. Right. Okay. So that so is the one you're interested five, in. Five trigeminal. There it is. Seven. Seven's your facial. Seven facial. Uh, nine is your glossopharyngeal. Ten is vagus, and eleven is your spinal, spinal. accessory. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I should have highlighted those. Mm-hmm. And so, five and seven in particular are n- necessary for like your facial engagement of social engagement. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to someone. That's what you're looking at to make sure that they're actually hearing what you're saying. Right. And so if you have um, seven dysfunction, then someone's face looks very deadpan and lacks animation. Yeah. There's no reaction mm-hmm. because that nerve isn't functioning properly. Right. Uh, with nine, 10, 11, he says that they should be treated as one nerve in regards to social engagement, because if one is off, the others are off. Mm-hmm. And so um Specifically with 11, he talked about if there's a dysfunction in 11, then this can um, lead to acute or chronic shoulder problems, stiff neck, migraines, or difficulty rotating your head from side to side. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think, like Jubes and I were talking about this just before we started recording, this is like one of the main problems for adults. Well, it really is because a lot of the time, like everyone has an office job, right? So you're sitting there, you're hunched mm-hmm. over, like your shoulders are tight as it is. And I know I've been doing a lot of work trying to get them. Mm-hmm. Like my muscles are so tight. So I'm almost wondering, is it my cranial nerve 11 mm-hmm. isn't firing properly? So mm-hmm. I, the next time I go to a massage therapist, I want to be like, hey, this is what I learned. Perhaps we need to try a different thing because what we're doing is helping, but it's obviously not working totally. So what if yeah. there's a different way to kind of get them to loosen? 
Yeah. And I know that it's not going to be like a, oh, he presses a button on my skull and everything's just loose. Yeah. That'd be nice. But, but it could be if you do like some, um, like it could be any working with fascia, right? If you get, go into exactly. any, any like osteopathy pr- practitioners or something on well, top of it. Even if he like massages like the cranial 11 point on my skull, right? Mm-hmm. Then that would be something to consider. Kind of, Or maybe he has, maybe, I don't know, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, but that would be kind of cool. Yeah. And so for me, that was the key takeaway of like chapter one is basically here are the nerves. Here's what the main function is and why we're caring about social engagement. Yep. Um, chapter two, he then talks about more of like the autonomic nervous system. Um, and he uses Goldilocks and the three bears to describe the three autonom- autonomic states. Mm-hmm. And so too hot is when you're in fight or flight. Too cold is when you're in a shutdown um, or a state of dorsovagal activity. Mm-hmm. And just right is your social engagement. And that's when you're in a ventral uh, vagal nervous system. Yeah. State, I guess. And so then he separates that into like the three circuits where he talks about the ventral, the new and how it's positive emotions of joy and satisfaction and love. Mm-hmm. Then your spinal sympathetic chain relates to anger, fear and fighting or flighting for your safety. Mm-hmm. And then dorsal vagus um, activation can lead to feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, apathy, uh, manifesting in withdrawal or shutdown and when chronic it's actually related to depression symptoms yes yeah he does make um a little bit of a distinction where he's not like diagnosing you with depression he's saying mm-hmm. that they're depressive feelings not necessarily you have depression kind of thing yeah um, but same thing with like the way inflamed mind was it mm-hmm. could be another explanation for depression yeah right rather yeah. than he's just trying to think of it as like from a holistic perspective same thing with inflamed mind where it's like the inflamed mind is like yeah your body's in an inflamed state so it's putting all these like um inflammatories and stuff which is like depressing your body yeah as a whole and this is like your nerves are off or you could be and so this is why you're in the state and you're depressing your body as well it's a whole like if you have depression let's look at maybe what's causing it like if ssris aren't happening then or aren't working then Mm -hmm. let's check your body for inflammation let's check your Mm -hmm. nerves because it's a very simple non-invasive thing to kind of yeah see if this nerve is working or not and if it isn't and you fix it then okay you know that that's not it there's something else right it's kind of yeah like ticking boxes yeah it's just adding more to the field of depression than what we currently have other than just Here's this prescription. Yeah. Go Good for luck. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hope exactly. it works. They're actually some form of treatment because mm-hmm. everything's so individualized. Exactly. Um, and then he talks about two hybrids that you can have between these three. Right. So you can have mobilization, mobilization without fear, which is friendly competition, or you can have immobilization with or immobilization. Is, wow. Take two, <laughs> Michaela. <laughs> immobilization without fear, which is like intimacy or love. Okay. Yeah. So it's like you're on the go. You want to run, mm-hmm. but you're not afraid. It's not like a fight or flight response. Yeah. And that's yeah, like a sport. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then immobilization, you don't want to run. You just kind of want to embrace and love. And that is intimacy. Yeah. Interesting. OK. Yeah. Um. He also says that like dorsal vagal state may be involved in POTS, um, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's when people with POTS, they typically faint when they stand up and their blood pressure drops. I'm pretty sure that's what our old boss had. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I think, relates then back to, he talks later or in this chapter about, like, heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that also has something to do because it is mostly just blood pressure and, like, mm-hmm. um, tachycardia is fast heart rate. So, I don't know. There, it was really cool because it would be, like, very interesting to figure out how yeah like fixing this nerve can help you with that yeah because it's basically just um he says people with pots often exhibit numerous symptoms of autonomic nervous system deregulation and i kind of wonder if i have pots Mm -hmm. um but i i don't think so i think they're just very similar yeah i don't have some i think i used to yeah but i've got it a little bit more under control okay i practice breathing because I used to, whenever someone would cut my hair or like change my piercings or whatever, um, I would pass out because I would just stop breathing. <laughs> At least that's what I think. I never thought that I stopped breathing, but that was kind of my. Yeah. But yeah. So see how that goes. I was like, maybe it's pot. So I'm like, I should maybe play with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess then chapter three is neuroception. And mm-hmm. basically the premise of neuroception is um, it's like your sixth sense feeling. 
Yeah. So it's used to describe how the neural circuits determine whether a situation is safe or threatening or dangerous. And this can be compared or this can this uh, feeling can be impaired by emotion or substance. Right. So you might not realize the situation is unsafe because you're um, so pissed off about your drive to this place. Right. Mm -hmm. You get out of your car, you're trying to storm into this bank and then you don't realize that the bank's currently getting robbed. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Whereas like if you're in a normal state, you're walking in, you're like, this feels wrong. I should probably get out of here. Yeah. Right. It's a whole like kind of trust your gut. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And in chapter three, um, there's one section where he just says like sensing our bodies and staying grounded helps us to remain in a ventral nervous state. So just kind of like, yeah, keep your cool. Yeah. Trust your gut. Trust your intuition. Be in your body. Yeah. Which is tough, especially if you're in a dorsal vagal state. Exactly. But um, chapter four, there's a fun fact that you opened up with mm-hmm. uh, that says when our eyes are more open, we can hear better. Yeah, I know. I have that one highlighted, too. I was like, interesting. Yeah, because I always hear the thing like turn down the radio so I can see better. Yeah. I just didn't think that was real. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, always that joke, but it's like, OK, well, there's some neurological basis there's to actually it. actually something to do. And it had some, yeah. he explains it. It was very, very interesting. I'll mm-hmm. see if I can figure out what it was. A big thank you to Persona Nutrition for working with Sometimes Shibata Slaps. Persona Nutrition ships customized vitamins and supplements to you each month. All you need to do is take their short quiz on their website and they will build you the perfect pack of vitamins. With subscription, you also have access to nutritionists online, so if you have any health concerns or questions, you will be directed with a nutritionist in no time. The vitamin packs come with the cutest little wrapper with your name on it and a list of supplements inside. If you want more information, there is a blog on their website with tons of additional information. Right now, get 50% off your first month subscription with the link on our website. If you want to get into supplements and vitamins and all that good stuff, head on over to SometimesShibataSlaps.com for more information. Oh, not really. He just says, like, the neurological connection between the nerves involved in sight and hearing. Yeah. So, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then this is chapter four is also where heart rate variability enters the chat. And so it's the heart rate variability is basically the difference between like the rise and fall of your heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And then there's also times between that. And so it's not as uniform as we think it is. And it, but it's also not dramatic. If you have dramatic differences between when your heart is beating, then you have like an arrhythmia or yeah. other a heart condition. Yeah. But they're microscopic enough. And this microscopic difference basically creates a resiliency in your body to handle different types of stressors. Yeah. So it's a micro stressor that is a protective factor for your body for external stressors. Yeah. So yeah, he just kind of talks mm-hmm. about how like your heart rate's beating, but when you take, like when you inhale, it increases a bit. And then when you exhale, it decreases a bit. Like it just mm-hmm. that little variability. And then yeah, times also, between. Yeah. Times between beats as well. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. up, down, and then there might be a lag. And some legs might be longer or shorter, depending on mm-hmm. whatever. Whatever. I don't know. We couldn't really understand it. We tried to figure out mm-hmm. as much as we could, but it's still something that, like, you really can't measure at home. No. But um, you need a machine to measure it because yeah. it's so microscopic. Yeah. Um, Like, you're not going to be able to feel your pulse and be like, oh, this was 0.2 seconds. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, So a low heart rate variability, which is brought on by daily worry has been linked with a lack of ability to concentrate and motor inhibition, which are also both common symptoms in children with ADHD. Mm-hmm. What he kind of is inferring by making this connection then is that, I guess, the stimulation of ADHD or bringing on like the a more rapid heart rate mm-hmm. decreases variability, which then makes a lower heart rate variability score, Okay, which can then bring up issues with like concentration and motor inhibition yeah yeah i still don't understand how it's related at all it's such a yeah it's such a it was such an interesting thing to from just like place in the book i Mm -hmm. think it's an interesting topic overall yeah but i think his placement in the book and his description in the book wasn't as accurate or as accurate as it needed to be it felt like he was trying to like Mm -hmm. explain it quickly Mm -hmm. and so then he kind of missed a lot of what made it easy to understand. So he was kind of like, your mm-hmm. heart rate variability is the differences of this. Um, this is a combination of the differences. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I, you lost me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just struggled to understand that part. But yeah, I think it he doesn't to- really talk about it again. 
Yeah, well, because here's the thing is that science as a whole isn't um, as evolved around it. It's just like something he just decided to bring in as a maybe a thought provoking. Yeah. Addition to it. Yeah. But. Because the last paragraph of this section is like if scientific research confirms that there's a state that the state of autonomic nervous system is a factor in physiological issues, it may be interesting to explore the possibility of improving heart rate variability and the function of the ventral branch of the vagus nerve as a first step in treating psychological problems mm-hmm. without immediately resorting to traditional psychological interventions or prescription drugs. Yeah. So it's like using manual practices rather than um, prescription practices. Yeah. But some other um, things that have been associated with like a low heart rate variability that you need to be, I think is good to just consider as a whole. Um it's like obesity, diabetes, or diabetic neuropathy, SIDS, dorsal vagus activity, sexual dysfunction, heart damage, or, or attack. Um, and essentially with optimal vagus function, you'll be more socially aware and have a higher HRV. Right. That was the whole premise of what I was able to grasp from his section. <laughs> yes. And like with heart rate variability, um, it's not like mm-hmm. your heart rate goes from 40 beats per minute to 200 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. It's just like um, the time in between each heartbeat changes mm-hmm. it's not like yeah your beats per minute changes exactly but. so that was an interesting addition uh definitely needed some more because we, we both had to like i had to just go before we even started this episode just to look more into what the heck i'm trying to say mm-hmm. with it yeah you just need to get some more research about it but it is an interesting concept if you are interested in the heart yeah to look into yeah about if you're anxious all the time and whatnot you might your heart rate variability might be contributing to that and therefore your body can't handle certain stressors to a certain point like yeah it just felt like something that didn't add anything to the book yeah i guess in my opinion yeah it depends on how you're looking like what you're looking at for the book right yeah because for the book i'm reading it to learn what my vagus nerve Mm -hmm. is doing yeah okay is it affecting heart rate variability Mm -hmm. amazing fantastic explain that fully like that's the one concept in the whole book he didn't go into painstaking detail about yeah so i don't know i I just didn't understand it but he should have tied it more into the dorsal activity because he mentions mentions it for the dorsal vagus activity Mm, yeah but whatever chapter five he goes more into the polyvagal theory and so this looks at like more deeper into conditions where using the vagus nerve would be of benefit Mm -hmm. and he talks about a whole bunch of studies like in depth of where he got this research from and why they benefited the vagus nerve in different scenarios. Yeah. Um, one thing that I found most interesting about this one is the forward head posture. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we're seeing a lot of people do because of the way we sit and move now. Yeah. Yeah. And the tightness in our shoulders and stuff. Yeah. And so this forward head posture is basically like the beginning stages of like a hunchback, if that makes sense. So if you're mm-hmm. looking at someone from the side, their head is more their neck is more forward than their back is where it yeah. should be in line. Mm hmm. And so this posture restricts blood flow and air capacity, which could be contributing to breath issues and Alzheimer's or dementia that we're seeing now. Yeah. Um, I didn't think I have bad posture. Like as a whole, I don't think I have bad posture, but now no. I'm hyper aware of it. Oh, and that's a good thing to be hyper aware of. I, mm-hmm. um, when I first went to like massage therapy, like I was very hunched forward. Yeah. And so we've been working on like, cause my chest muscles are so tight. So then we need to kind of bring them back and strengthen my back muscles so that it's pulling them. Cause my back muscles are so weak. And so I was at a very, very crucial point where if I continue this way, I'm going to get that like, what, mm-hmm. what's that name of the hump? But yeah. So oh, yeah, I can't I remember can't, what it is. No, me neither. Um, but yeah, so you just kind of got to be aware of that because it causes a ton of issues and I'm really nervous because both my grandmas have it. Yeah. But it's just the whole, it's a, it's a posture thing. So it's easily correctable. Yeah. You just have to build up those muscles. And Mm -hmm. I think what saved me was figure skating. Yeah. Because everything was arms out, posture up. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you're going to hurt yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I just like I grew too fast that my muscles didn't have time to catch up. Mm -hmm. So like my bass, my back (laughs) muscles aren't as strong as they should be. Yeah. So that's where a lot of my slouching comes from. Yeah. And, um, boobs are heavy yeah so then like that whole thing and then i've got breathing issues as like like a result of it and then my heart rate variability is low and so it's just xyz <laughs> blah 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 whatever so then um yeah 
but going to the gym has really helped that. Yeah, but definitely. Um, also, in chapter four, I forgot to mention this. He, um, there's a test to see if your ventral nerve, like if you're in an activated ventral nerve state or an activated dorsal nerve state, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. So basically, you have someone shine a light in the back of your throat, and you hold your tongue down, and you go ah ah ah, and depending which way your uvula moves, like it should just move straight. But if it gets pulled to one side or the other, that shows you if you're in dorsal vagal state. That's really interesting. Isn't that really cool? So I want to do that. See, that's the kind of thing I was expecting more of this book to like explain. Yeah, me too. Right? Yeah. You should have kept the science to like two chapters and then been like, why does this matter for you for the vagus? Literally, this is how you do it. It should have just been like part two longer. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. And then he mentioned also in um, chapter five. um. A hiatal hernia, mm-hmm. which I have never heard about, but it was really cool to learn about. So really? it's where your stomach, yeah, your stomach comes through your diaphragm. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So I was like, that's kind of interesting. Even with Spenny talking about hernias all the time. But he doesn't actually have a hernia. Yeah, but that's like. No, he talks about hemorrhoids. Oh, oh that's it. Common <laughs> <laughs> misconception. The, the other H issue. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, I because like I've heard of hernias, but I'd never heard of that specific one. Okay. So I was like, that was kind of interesting for me. Yeah. And then the whole like diaphragmatic breathing, which is something I need to, or I would like to work on because mm-hmm. I feel like my breathing is quite shallow. Mm-hmm. So, and I need to, I would like to learn how to train it mm-hmm. into actually that. But well, one thing that's been called like, um, oh, what did it call it? In a yoga class the other uh, week I went to, she basically did a bunch of breathing where basically you have to breathe in hold mm-hmm. it breathe in some more mm-hmm. and then breathe out for the longest point yeah and apparently that style of breathing is the quickest way to get your body into rest and digest mode interesting okay. is going through that like five or five to ten times yeah it tricks your uh, nervous system into from fight or flight to rest and digest and so it's actually a really good thing to do if you're going into like something like in yoga yeah if you just start with that breathing and then you're like already relaxed when mom and I were on that really scary hike and we were hiding in the cave because we didn't want to go on the side of the mountain anymore. Um, <laughs> I did like the inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four. Because yeah. I was like, I am freaking out right now. Yeah. I need to do something I'm to glad. calm down. And it helped. Yeah. A lot. Well, that's step one of it. But then if you just, it's apparently taking that extra breath mm-hmm. really fills up your lungs. Yeah. And I didn't know that at that time. So that would have been. Yeah. yeah. So fun fact, if you breathe yeah. into your own. And then exhaling. Yeah, interesting. I'll yeah. play around with that. Yeah. But yeah, those are all the notes I have. Um, yeah. Chapter six, he talks about like somatopsychological problems. Um, it is. It's not worded the best. I think I think he could have jumped to the point of them, each one of them sooner. Again, yeah, it was just a chapter. Where I was like, OK, we've mentioned each of those things mm-hmm. like so much throughout the whole book you didn't need a chapter dedicated to them yeah it should have just been like formatted differently in my opinion mm-hmm. but a couple things that i took from it um first one is that social interaction with those that are in balance and social engagement is perhaps the most natural and helpful way to achieve self-regulation so this kind of goes back to whole like you are you become who you surround yourself with so if you're surrounded by people with who are regulated and socially engaged mm-hmm. there's a good chance it's going to rub off on you and you're going to find that within yourself yeah Right. And something I just want to say, like social engagement doesn't necessarily mean like you need to be an extrovert. Yeah. No, Um, that's not what he's saying. Yeah. He's just saying, like, you should be happy and yeah. enjoy your life. Exactly. Enjoy yeah. the people around you and different things like that. Yeah. Because innately humans are just social creatures. Right. You need yeah. your people. Yeah. Because um, well, I, like I told my mom and she's very, very introverted. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's trying to like work on like increasing social engagement. And she was like immediately like, that sounds like my worst nightmare. I would never do that. No. And I was like, okay, but you're the exact person who needs it. Yeah. Right? Like, and it's not saying you need to become an extrovert. It's just saying, like, you're missing out on life. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. I don't know. And then one thing that I just wanted to throw in here because I found it really interesting at all. Mm-hmm. It was that um, in domestic violence cases, victims develop an enlarged amygdala, making it easier for them to go into shutdown mode. And then the hippocampus shrinks because it only stores good memories and there are no positive memories being formed in that in that situation. Interesting. So the biological changes that happen in like domestic and violent abuse cases. I just learned that Tetris mm-hmm. helps um, PTSD and um, 
I can't remember the other symptoms, but um, playing Tetris helps enlarge hippocampal activity or increases mm-hmm. hippocampal activity and it helps them like calm down and nice. all that. I was like, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But I don't know how I want to do more research into that. Yeah. But then cool. on top of that, he also goes more into like anxiety, depression, all the other sort of symptoms that you're feeling and how your nerves are affecting your mental state basically yeah and then yeah chapter seven is um like a whole chapter dedicated to autism yeah and so what i really like about this book and i think i've said it already is that he doesn't say it's a cure for autism Mm -hmm. it just helps you manage an autistic child and help them have the Mm -hmm. best shot at life because Mm -hmm. like like i said if they're not hearing it's not that they can't hear you it's just that they can't decipher or like separate out Mm -hmm. your voice from the background noise and so just help them strengthen that muscle and he's like there's been success like it obviously doesn't get rid of Mm-mm. autism but mm-hmm. it just helps you it helps to become more manageable yeah it's for the management of it not the mm-hmm. it's not a cure by any means which i really liked and so yeah with this he just talks about the nerves involved in asd as we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. and then he also touched on deformation of, or deformation of the skull affecting asd and adhd mm-hmm. um, because of a flat flat back def- yeah. like deformation so Apparently that's a good way to get early signs of it is if they have like a flat back yeah. of your skull because it's putting pressure on your brain or nerves in a certain way. He says it because like when you're a baby and you're laying in the crib, you don't have strong enough neck muscles mm-hmm. to move your head. So you mm-hmm. just get stuck on your back and mm-hmm. then it's flat because mm-hmm. I have a flat spot on my head, um, but mm-hmm. it's genetic. Yeah, but there's but that was one of the things. And then there was also a muscle that you had to like massage in the jaw area. Where do I have it written down here? Mm-hmm. Um, chronic tensions of the SCM muscle. Oh, sternocleidomastoid. Yeah. Yeah. So they're saying in some cases that that might be contributing to the like the deformation of the head. Mm-hmm. But one thing I want to talk about is there has been a lot of criticism with celebrities recently mm-hmm. of having flat headed babies because they don't hold their babies enough. That makes sense. Apparently that's like that they're they're having too much back time, so they're not being picked up enough. So they're developing flat skulls. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of criticism about that because of what it can affect on the brain. Yeah, because I feel like having a flat part of a skull isn't necessarily like if you have a flat skull, then you have autism. I think no. if you have autism, then you're more likely to have a flat skull because mm-hmm. like there are certain cultures where they like strap their baby kind of to a board to get a um, a different skull shape because that's more um mm-hmm. that's what they want or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know i just remember there being like a whole bunch of stigma around babies like when i was growing up who had to wear those helmets to kind of mm-hmm. shape their skull which i don't think there should be because when you're born your skull is so like it's just loosey-goosey like you're yeah. pushed out of a too small hole like it makes sense to me that a baby's going to need to wear mm-hmm. a helmet to have their skull shape correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't appreciate that stigma. I think it's stupid, but I never had to wear a helmet, but like, I mean, I had a cone headed. It leveled out itself out though. Yeah. And I like got eventually out. Yeah. Right. But it feels like in that kind of situation, like, yeah, like we have a soft spot for a reason. So our skull can move and form and shift and all that. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Sometimes you need help. Right. Yeah. So I think it's interesting with like the skull shape and how it it's either an indication of like autism or an early sign of autism mm-hmm. or it's an indication that you're not holding your baby enough. I think that's just yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. Right. Con- like concept because we are again, the whole social beings, mm-hmm. you want to be held and picked up and touched. And well, and he talks a lot about how like tummy time is so important because mm-hmm. it does strengthen those muscles that you need mm-hmm. that are would be lacking in a baby who has a flat skull exactly. essentially. But yeah, I don't know. But that's basically the gist of it. Yeah. And then, yeah, part two, he goes into the exercises. We're not really mm-hmm. going to go into the exercises because I don't feel like performing them um, on <laughs> camera. <laughs> but no. we'll talk yeah. about the basic one because that's what he refers to the most. Yeah. One thing I would like to say is that I wish if you guys do read this book, read part two first where he explains the exercises and then read part one. Because in the entirety of part one, he explains like, oh, the basic exercise. Oh, the basic exercise. Oh, this helps that with the basic exercise. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is the basic exercise? Yeah. How many times can I say basic exercise? (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, so basically. Yeah, the premise of the basic exercise that you're going to enter, like, wind your fingers or whatever. Yeah. them. Interlace your fingers. Oh, put them behind your head and lay down. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to move your eyes side to side. Yeah. Right. 
you move it to one side and you look that way, just your eyes are turned until you yawn. Mm-hmm. And then you move to the other direction until you yawn. And then you do um the like like hold down your tongue and like do the ah 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 um to see if your uvula does whatever. And he also is very good about saying that these are not like mm-hmm. um a quick fix. Like they'll mm-hmm. help, but you might need to repeat them to continue to help. Yeah. So this is meant to increase blood flow to the brainstem. Um it repositions your C1 and the axis and increases mobility in the neck and entire spine. Mm-hmm. Um, the brainstem thing is important because that's what's necessary for social engagement. Yeah. And it's going to have a positive effect on the ventral branch of the vagus nerve as well as on the cranial nerves. And so it's effective, easy, and that's why he recommends everyone to do this. One, for relaxing your nervous system and improving your I don't know, mental state. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're very easy exercises to do. They're Mm non-invasive. Like you can do them whenever, wherever, really. I guess you don't really want to be like laying down on a subway, but like (laughs) you can like they're very, very simple and easy. And that's part Mm -hmm. of the reason why he's such a big advocate for them, because he's like, I want you to be able to fix your issues yourself. So you're not dependent on someone else kind of Mm -hmm. thing, which I really appreciated. Yeah. So, yeah. Pros of the book. I like the concept of the book. I like the general knowledge in it mm-hmm. i definitely thought it was wordy mm-hmm. i definitely thought it could have been um it just felt like it was um version one i felt like it needed to go through a couple more like proofing yeah to get to, be to revised the a bit yeah, yeah i agree yeah i really really appreciated the um the concept of it and what he what his goal is with it i really like mm-hmm. that um but yeah i felt like it could have been like a brochure mm-hmm. i'm gonna give it a three for that reason though because i, I like the premise of it and i like the yeah, I like that he gives you the practice to practice on your own and gives you the gist of everything. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, for the wordiness, I'm going to knock off a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, I would go with a three as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that is accessing the healing power of the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, by our boy Stanley Rosenberg. Stanley the Manly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, next month, we are reading... Women Who Run With The Wolves, Myths and Legends... And stories of like the wild woman. Yeah, we thought it'd be kind of fun for October, spooky season. Yeah. Um <laughs> it should be interesting. So far it seems interesting. It's yeah. <laughs> it's by um Clarissa Pincola Estes. Um she's a PhD. She's a psychoanalyst. Um mm-hmm. she um uh, follows Carl Jung's ideas. It's a lot, it's very archetypical. Yeah. Um, so listen to our Carl Jung episode and our archetype episode. Mm-hmm. are those the same one mm-hmm. okay um <laughs> listen to that episode before you listen to this one um but we'll see when it came out in 1992 i think it was like a revolutionary idea yeah um so we'll see how we feel about it yeah mm-hmm. all and right that's i think we got wrapped up here yep uh i'm mac joy i'm it's jubes we're sometimes about slaps on all social media platforms you can find our website, sometimesrebellstops.com. And on our website, we have links to our affiliate links, our book club reviews, um, all of our episode links, audio and visual, and guests that we've had. Yep. Yeah. Merch links. That's another one yes, that we have yeah. right now. Uh, everything you need to know. Uh, if you can follow us on Instagram or TikTok. TikTok is just some random videos of fun things that we find to be fun. Mm-hmm. And Instagram is more of like where you can get updates, vote on polls, interact with us about episode content. Yep. Um, and, and that's at sometimes she bought a slaps. Yeah. Uh, and if you like what we're doing, or if you just like us, give us a like five star rating review, follow all of the above helps us immensely. And we are eternally grateful for you. Yes, we are. That. Mm-hmm. All um, right. With that, I guess we will see you guys next Tuesday. Ta-ta for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.